0: And so God wants you to live a life of adventure. Well, I work for an organization called Adventures and Missions. It's a large organization in Georgia, and they, uh, they basically send out young adults and some adult teams, and they have missionary bases around the world. So we call them racers. So anybody from 18 to 31 can, can sign up and go on a 9-month or 11-month mission trip. And so they decided about five years ago, that the 18 to 21 year olds need a little more supervision on the field. Uh, anybody who has an 18, 21 year old, you know that. And so they built these bases. And then they started asking people to, uh, older people, we'll say seasoned people, to run them. And so uh, got an email, I don't remember what year, 2015, 16 from the organization our daughter had done the race so I was familiar with them and we worked with them quite a bit and I got an email from somebody I knew there and they're like hey we're opening these bases would you be interested being a missionary and I was like no that was my first immediate response was no I've been in ministry my whole life I've gone on many probably 20 mission trips foreign mission trips never felt like I wanted to stay I always felt like man I can't wait to go home (laughs) And so when I got the email, I said, "No, immediately." And the Holy Spirit, like, "This is what I've been preparing you for. This is what you want." I was like, "Oh no!" And I thought, "Well, I'll take this to my wife. She'll shoot this down pretty quick." Showed her the email, and she said, "Oh, that's intriguing." And I'm like, "Oh no, we're going to go. We're going to Guatemala." We prayed about it, and uh, what we said was, "Lord, we will walk through this door until you close it." And it's a dangerous thing to tell the Lord that. You're going to walk until the Lord changes direction. Well, we're it's five and a half years. It's six years later. We're still in Guatemala, and I am so glad that I said yes to the Lord because the Lord has shown me. I, I've been a minister my whole life. Worked in a variety of churches and a variety of. I have seen God do more things in the last five years than I've saw in the, of the previous thirty. And there's a lot of reasons why, but one of them is that. When you get to a place where you have to trust the Lord, man, God's going to show up. What, what has been going on in Guatemala has just been wild. We got there, that we had six staff. Now we have 19, uh, all young adults, on fire for the Lord. Uh, there, we have a variety of ministries. We we disciple the young adults. They send us, they're with us for three months at a time. We, uh, we have short-term teams that come down from churches. You church everyone to come. We have a nice place. We also pastor, or uh, we mentor pastors, Guatemalan pastors, on how to walk out the Holy Spirit, (laughs) how to be missionaries in their own towns. And then lately, God has been telling us to send. And that's been challenging, but it's been so good. So raising up Guatemalans to send, and particularly to the Middle East, that's the call for us. Over the last two years, we've been raising up Guatemalans to send to the Middle East, and we're getting closer to send. Now, when you say missionary to a Guatemalan, their first response is, what's a missionary? To Gu- what's a missionary? They will say, an American. Because they've had so many mission trips, so many missionaries, that their thought about being a missionary is an American. And so we, change, we have to change the concept. The missionary is anybody who's, who's met Jesus. That's a missionary. And these young adults we've been working with, we're working with 20 right now. We've been working with them for about six months man they are on fire and when i mentioned that we want to send you to some place in the world and god is going to do that they're ready for it we're just training them to do a little bit more and it's blown my mind of what god has done and so that's kind of our our organization we do quite a bit in guatemala and i'm going to i'm going to work that through some of my sermon but i as i was asking the lord what it is that you all need to hear from me today it was living a life and adventure. So what does that mean? What what does that mean? I, I read Mark Batterson quite a bit, and he calls the Holy Spirit. He says this about the Holy Spirit. The Celtic Christians have a name for the Holy Spirit. It's called Adgida Glass, which means wild goose. Now, you may think that sounds sacrilegious. The name hints of a mystery like a wild goose. The spirit cannot be tracked or tamed. There's an element of danger. There's an air of unpredictability about the Holy Spirit. And I cannot think of a better description of what it's like to follow the Holy Spirit. Following a wild goose, because you have no idea where he's going to take you, no idea what he's going to do. If we follow the Holy Spirit, most of us will have no idea what's going on most of the time. And I know that's unsettling, he says, but here's what he says. But circumstantial uncertainty goes by another name, and it's called adventure. Do you want to live a life of adventure? So the two questions I have for you, do you want your life to matter? There's probably not a person in the room who doesn't want their life to matter. Do you want your life to matter, but also do you want a life of adventure? There's only one way to do both of those, and that is to follow the Holy Spirit. And man, God has that for you. God has an adventure for you if you just be willing to take it. One of my favorite stories is Philip. Philip in Acts chapter 8. Philip is really... He's really kind of a sideline person. He's one picked of the seven who were supposed to take care of the orphans and widows and the distribution because the disciples, the main disciples, were doing the ministry of teaching. But it says he's full of the Spirit. Uh, one, Acts chapter 8, you read it. There's a story where he's, he's out on the road and the Spirit says, go walk that road to Jeru- out of Jerusalem. And so what does he say? I don't know where the Spirit's taking me. The Spirit didn't tell him what he was going to do. He just said, go. And, he, and the spirit took it, and he, so he said, okay, I'm going to go. So he's walking out, <laughs> walking the road, and there's a chariot that's going down the road. And the spirit says, I want you to put yourself in the situation. Go run by the chariot. Y'all ever done anything crazy for the Lord? I would think that was even a little bit dangerous. This is an important official, an Ethiopian official. He's important. He's probably got guards around him. And the Spirit says, go run by the chariot. So, Philip, all right. So he goes and he's running by the chariot. Just running along by the chariot. I mean, picture this scene. It's a crazy scene. Philip hears the Ethiopian reading Isaiah. And it's a messianic passage about Jesus. And he says to him, probably yells, do you know what you're reading? And the Ethiopian says, no, who, nobody here to explain it to me. He says, I'll explain it to him. And he invites him up in the chariot. He tells him about Jesus. He accepts Jesus. They see a body of water. They go down and be baptized. And while he's baptizing the Ethiopian, when he comes up out of the water, you know what happens to Philip? He is taken away and put in another town. I want to do that. I want to be somewhere doing something for the spirit. And all of a sudden I'm somewhere else. See, God is the same then as he is now. If you want to live a life of, I want that for you all. I want to hear a story where God does something crazy because you said yes. And God is just willing. I mean, God is just looking for a willing person to say yes. And maybe it is something crazy. But man, when it's something crazy, God's going to show up in a crazy way. So how do we live a life that matters? How do we live a life of adventure? And it's following the wild goose, which is the spirit. So I want to give you a couple of points. We're going to look at Luke chapter 4. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there. It has become... Two of my favorite past, two of my favorite uh, chapters, Luke four and five, uh, and I study them all the time with racers. I teach them how to read the Bible, and we read slowly and deeply. And these two things, these two chapters, are fantastic because it's the beginning of Jesus's ministry. So the question is, how did Jesus do ministry? What was his call, and how did he walk it out? Because that's our call. <laughs> you are his hands and feet. So what is it that Jesus? Is- called to and how does he walk it out man if we studied that you would figure out what it is that is to follow the spirit and God would do crazy things through your life so Luke chapter 4 he starts his ministry he heals a guy in the synagogue a demon possessed guys in the synagogue I don't know why a demon possessed guys in the synagogue but Jesus heals him and this is where it starts in verse 38 Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon that's Peter by the way now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once and began to wait on him. One thing you learn about Jesus, and one thing we can take, if you want to live a life of venture and a life that has purpose and meaning, you've got to be available. Be available. If I can think of anything that United States Americans aren't, and it's available. Man, we we take our schedule, we control it. We try to control it. And we fill it up for whatever reason. But Jesus was always available. Always. He always went where he was asked. I don't know how many dinner parties he went to but with Pharisee leaders that he ruined, but he always went. So he's asked by Simon. And who knows how many other people asked him. He's asked, would you come to my house and heal my mother-in-law? What's Jesus say? I mean, how many of y'all are going to walk out of church today, go home, watch a little football, sit around and not do anything? Jesus walked out of the church to decide ministry because he's always available. Always available. So he goes and he heals this uh, heals Peter's mother-in-law. Now, the question is, did Jesus, is this just random or is it a divine appointment? This is a divine appointment because he's got something else for Peter. This is, in Luke, this is their very first interaction. There's an earlier interaction in, in the book of Matthew, but this in Luke is his first interaction. It's like, this dude healed this demonic, maybe he can heal my mother-in-law. Because having a fever at that time, that that country, that, that lack of medicine was very dangerous. Jesus goes and heals him, because he's got something for Simon. <laughs> I love that about Jesus. I love that. Be available. One of the things that... Um, you know, Guatemalan culture is different from American culture. Church may start it on time; it may start half an hour later. People are late. Uh, things change. I mean, it's it's something you have to learn really quick. Nobody's in a hurry, and things change. And if you're not if you're not willing to change with the change, then you're going to miss what God is doing. I had a, a short-term team. It was a group. <laughs> it was a group of how do I describe them? Very, very rich young ladies. From all over the United States, they were with a ministry that worked with the very, very rich. Now, when I mean very, very rich, I'm talking about very, very rich. So I'm asking the girls, what are you going to do after your, your mission trip? And they were like, we're going to go to the south of France uh, to our other home. Or I'm going to, I mean, all of that, I was like, okay, yeah, we're going to hang out in Martha, Martha's Vineyard for a couple of, you know, a couple of months. These are, these are, they were all Christians, had a different perspective of life. Uh, so we're doing ministry with them, and one of the days we were supposed to take water filters and food uh, to one of the villages we were working with, one of the ministry hosts, and they called us and said, we've got to cancel that day. We can't go. And so what do you do with that? Do you say, well, I guess we're not going to do ministry today? So we we have a saying around, we ask the Lord. We ask the Lord for everything. Lord, what do you want us to do? So we ask the Lord, and the Lord says, call this other person that we have never met. Well, we actually called our one of our, our missionaries who called this other person. And uh, he's like, we have a, water filters and food bags. You got anybody? And we're like, yeah, yeah, come on over. So we're like, okay, we got a place to go. So we went to a totally different village, a place I'd never been before. Uh, we're doing food bags. We're doing water filters. Walk into the home. I have three of the girls with me. I have two of my staff, and we split our we split our teams into two. Walk into the house. Mom has got this huge swelling on her, on her jaw. She's been sick for weeks, and it's swollen up, and she could barely talk. And, of course, the first thing that we do, we're like, man, we need to pray for you. The medicine there is not great. They don't, they can't even afford medicine. So we're like, can we pray for you? She's like, sure, absolutely. So we put our hands on and we prayed for her. Nothing really happened. We did the water filter. We gave them the food bag. They were so appreciative of the water filter because the filter, the water they were drinking was uh, making the kids sick. So then we're about to leave, and we say to the woman, you know, we want to pray for your family. How's your family doing? She goes, we're all pretty good. You know, pray for her husband and all this. And she goes, "But well, my daughter can't see. We're like, what do you mean she can't see? She was 10. She goes, "She's. it's just she's never been able to see. Everything's blurry. She sees three. She, she can't really see. We're like, well, bring her over. We'll pray for her. She brings her over, and we're like, how many fingers do I have? And she's like, "Cuatro." I mean, she cannot see. We're literally up in her face and doing this, and she can't see. We're like, well, God can heal us, so we're going to pray for us. So we lay our hands on her, and we pray for her. And we start asking her again after we pray, how many can you see? And all of a sudden, she's seeing double. Like, how many do you see? She's say, four? You know, how many do you see? We're like, well, that's weird. So we, we'll we pray for her again. So we prayed for her again. as we're praying for her the second time, uh, one of our staff said, God did it. saw it happen. He brought her eyes together. So, so we walk up to her and we're like, how many do you see? She goes, Dos. How many do you see? She couldn't even say it. She said, Quattro. She just started crying and bawling. She grabs her mom, and they just, they cried for probably 10 minutes. And it was just a, a really marvelous moment and um, where this girl probably had never seen anything clear in her life. And all of a sudden, God fixed her eyes. After after all that, you know, we, uh, we said to the mom, hey, you want us to pray for you again? She goes, See, see. So I literally had my hand on her neck, and we prayed for her uh, infection, and it disappeared in my hands. And it's just unbelievable. And God has done more in these five years than he ever did in 30 years of ministry because we rely on him more, and we trust him more. One of the girls, one of the rich girls said to me as we're leaving now, she goes, Kevin, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with this. I was like, hey, Jesus is the same in New York City. He is in Guatemala, and you take this message back, and you tell people what happened. She's, I I will. I was like, because Jesus is the same. We gotta walk. We gotta be available and walk with our eyes open. (laughs) Walking with our eyes open. God has divine appointments for you every day. We miss them. We're not open. We're not listening. Divine appointments. There is no such thing, you guys, as a chance meeting. No such thing. There's a ripple effect, and God already knows who he wants to send your way with a word, with a message, with a healing, with just encouragement. And God wants, if we would just be available, watch our eyes open and ask the Lord, who is it you want me to pray for? Who is there somebody in the room? Is, is there a word I can give? I don't know how many, and I never walked in this this before, but giving somebody a word, I never did that, never. And I do it all the time now. And it blows my mind the words I give to people, how it, how God uses that word for something. Blows my mind. I had a guy, I had a guy about six months ago, I, I spoke on spiritual authority, and he was just a guest uh, from one of our ministry partners. And uh, he's from Guatemala, but he was doing work in Mexico, and he was coming back to Guatemala. And he, he had an idea about when he, what God was calling him to do, but he wanted, him, he wanted some confirmation. So he, he speaks Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. I'm using an interpreter. And he's like, I want you to pray for me. I was like, great, I'll pray for you. So I'm praying for him. And God gives me the word house. That's a weird word, right? House. And so I looked at him and said, I don't know what this means. But God wants me to tell you house, casa. And he just started bawling. (laughs) And uh, through the interpreter, he's like, I've been feeling like God wants me to start house churches in Guatemala. But I didn't know for sure. And God just gave, you the, gave me the word. I was like, yes. God wanted to confirm that. I'm just a vessel. There's nothing I did or said to this man. God was confirming his word to him. And it's been about, uh, it's been about a year ago. He has started, I don't know, three or four house churches now. And it blows my mind. It blows my mind what God will do. if We'll just be available and look for the divine appointments. Jesus always was available but he always did everything on purpose. Second thing, you got to be relational. Be relational. So be available, but be relational. Look back into Luke chapter um, 4. I'm going to start in verse 40. This is after he healed Simon's mother-in-law. Verse 40, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. You know what's interesting about this? Jesus could have walked out of the door. This is Jesus. Looked at the crowd of people who all came with need, waved his hand, and healed them all right there. Jesus could have done that, but you know what he did? What's it say he did? He went to each one, and he said, what can I do for you? And He looked them in the eye and said, what can I do for you? And he did it one by one. That is, if that's not the gospel, if that's not showing gods that's what God, God loves you with an everlasting love. He got to lay his hands on each one of his creation, ask them what he wanted, and he brought freedom to everyone in the room. And I imagine it was a chaotic scene. When it first started, I imagine that you know the demon-possessed people are probably shouting things. He's he's hushing them, but he's going one by one, and it's taking a while because Jesus always wants to know the story. You heard about the woman with the blood issue that Teresa <laughs> mentioned. Jesus stopped and got her story. He didn't let it pass. He wanted to know about her, and that's what Jesus did with all these. So. Slowly, as the scene becomes more and more calm, you know nobody left, right? You know everybody stayed for all of this. And Jesus was allowed to minister each person individually because that's what God wants to do. If you want God to use you in an amazing way, you got to be relational. It's about people. God's about people. And he's about bringing freedom to people. And Man, you're the vessel. You know, everywhere Jesus went, freedom went. So everywhere you go, freedom should be going. I'll let that sink in a second. Be relational. Be relational. I I would say this. Jesus, not only was relational, he always walked in spiritual authority. He walked in spiritual authority. And not only did he walk in spiritual authority, he gave it to you and I. Oh, I know, that's scary. (laughs) I love Jesus because he first sends out the 12 as he's training them. And he says, go heal people, tell them about the kingdom, cast out demons. And they're like, what? (laughs) If Jesus stood up there and told you to go do that right now, don't take any money, you would probably be wide-eyed and like, I don't know what you're talking about. But he gave them authority. They went out and did it, came back and said, man, it happened. So then he sends out the 72, probably with the 12 leading them. And then you know what he did in Acts chapter 2? He sent you and I. We're now the hands and feet. You have all the spiritual authority that Jesus had. And it's not me saying it. Jesus said it. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 12. I didn't say this. You can't blame Kevin. You Can only blame Jesus. He says this to his disciples. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. What? And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus has given you and I spiritual authority. Everything that Jesus did, we should be doing. But for whatever reason, We get too scared, we're too nervous. Man, I would encourage you to step out. Step out and see if the Lord won't use you. Because you want your life to matter. I want my life to matter. I do. I always have. And 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 the more that I work with the Lord, the Lord, the Lord makes my life matter. But it also is a venture. Going to Guatemala was not easy. I'm not saying any of that is easy. God didn't promise easy. (laughs) He promised power. He didn't promise easy. He promised power. And it it was hard. It's hard to leave family. It's hard to sell your car, your house. It's hard to do all of those things. It's hard not speaking the language. It's hard going to a different culture. That's all hard. But I am so glad I said yes to this. Oh, my gosh. God has opened my eyes to more of his power than I've ever seen. And it blows my mind. Walking in spiritual authority, we, we, uh, we often go into home, so we just we kind of invite ourselves when we're Americans. We knock on the door, they let us in. It's fantastic. <laughs> and they ask questions like why are you here? I want to be where you are. Why are you here? Um and so we walked into this home. I had a a, a, a church team with me that day probably five people plus two or three staff. We walk into this one home, there's a there's a two year old girl, there's a ten year old girl and there's a twenty three year old woman. The ten year old had a cast on or a sling. Not even a cast, she had a sling. The 23-year-old, who was the aunt of the two, just looked at us in complete fear. And the two-year-old ran from us, which is very unusual because we bring stuff, coloring, bubbles. We bring all of that. Kids love us, right? She ran from us. And so as we're getting the story of this family, and one of the things we just walk in, we usually bring a filter of food. But it's it's mainly just to, to to be with families, see what they need, pray for them, share, them, share Jesus with them. She goes well. Her mom, the two-year-old's mom, she's scared of you because her mom said that when she's bad, white people are going to show up and kidnap her. And so we're like, that's not right. <laughs> that's not right. We're not going. We're not going to let that that last. Uh, the ten-year-old, we're like, why are you in a sling? And she's like, well, I broke my arm here. Uh, they put the cast here, and it healed wrong. And so now the doctors are just saying you're going to have to live with pain the rest of your life. They're like, no, that's not in the kingdom. That's not kingdom. And so as we're talking to the 23-year-old, she's been married three months. Um, Her husband had been a fiancé or had another fiancé before they got married who he broke up with. She is the daughter of the witch doctor in the village who came and cursed their house just prior to, you know, a week or two before uh, we showed up. Like, that's not in the kingdom. And so we're walking in spiritual authority. So what is it that we do with this family? We tell the girl about Jesus, and it's not white people. I mean, we're, we, we convinced her before we left uh, that we were not going to kidnap her and that we were just there in the name of God. The 10-year-old, we pray for her. We're like, well, we're going to pray for your arm because that is not what God would want. We pray for her arm. She says, well, it feels pretty good. We pray for the 23-year-old about, man, walking in Jesus, you have power over all evil. There's no evil here. Nothing can penetrate the power of Jesus. You're talking about Jesus. Jesus and the name of Jesus is powerful over all. Demons didn't say Jesus' name because they wanted to. They said it because they had to. They called him the son of God because they had to. They didn't want to, but they knew who the power in the room was. So a week later, we're in another house um, talking with a 12-year-old who's running a little store that they have, and uh, we're asking her about our life and what's going on, and she says, our dad left. 30 days ago, and uh, he said he was tired of not having to work, and so he was going somewhere to get work, and we don't know where he is. We don't know if he went to the city. We don't know if he went to uh, Guatemala City. We don't know if he went to the States. We don't know where, Mexico. We don't know where he is. We haven't heard from him, and we're just all really concerned. We're like, well, we're walking in the spirit, so we're going to pray for you that your dad returns, and so we prayed with the family. Another week later, one week later, I'm in another house. We're putting in a water filter. Two, two girls come walking in, and they see me, I'm with a whole different bunch of people, and they just are losing their mind, excited, saying stuff in Spanish I can't understand. So I asked uh, I asked my one of my staff, I was like, what is she saying? She goes, that's the girl you prayed for two weeks ago with the arm. And she says it's completely healed. And I was like, do this. She's like, yeah, in the name of Jesus, that's so good. And the other girl, she's like, you prayed for my dad to show up last week. He showed up the next day. He's been with us. I'm like, it's walking in spiritual authority. It's walking in kingdom. It's walking where God wants you to walk, and uh, man, we got to be relational, because that's where Jesus wants us to take, wants us to be, and live. Live a life of adventure is living a life with people. The last one, and I'll be I'll be quick with this one, but it's probably the most important one. Verse forty-two, um, continuing the story, at daybreak, and I want you to know. It looks like it reads like Jesus was ministering all night long. That's the way it reads. It's like he's spent a lot of time with a lot of people bringing freedom. And then it's daybreak. At daybreak Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him and when they came to where he was they tried to keep him from leaving them but he said, "I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom to God of God to other towns also because that is why I was sent." Jesus was always connected to the Lord, to the Father. Always connected. Always connected. We always are connect- should be connected. So available, relational, connected. We have a saying that we try to teach all the racers, and everybody comes through our base. We minister out of overflow. We minister out of overflow. Your intimacy with the Lord is what overflows into other people's lives. If you're ministering not out of overflow, you're going to burn up or burn out quickly. And so we minister from overflow. When we walk into a house and we start ministering to people, it's from the overflow of what God has done in our lives in an intimate way when we're intimate with him. It's overflow. And if you're living out of overflow, if you're living out of power within, you're going to live with power without or have power without. Does that make sense? Jesus knew where his power came from. He knew it came from his connection with the Father. He even says, I don't do anything the Father hasn't me. I do everything the Father tells me. I do everything the Father shows me. He had this connection. And and when he goes to a solitary place, man, it's to to build the connection. It's to have that relationship. It's to be recharged and vitalized. It's to remind him what the mission is. Jesus was human like you and I. I know he has a Lord part of him. He was tempted. All those things that we are, but it was his connection with the Lord that kept him on path. So when the people all show up, he's healed all these people, right? They want him to stay. You would want him to stay. Jesus did not come to build a mega church. He says to them, I got to go other places because that's why I was sent. And the reason why he knows why he's sent is because he spent time with the Father. And the Father reminded him. He didn't come just to heal. He came to die on a cross. And I love this about Jesus because he always spends time with the Father to revitalize his life so that he can do ministry every day. I'll say this, life will suck the life out of you. If you're feeling burned out, tempted, if you're feeling lost, if you're feeling like, I can't do this anymore, I I get that way. and I'm reminded because I'm not spending time with the Father. Because when I spend time with the Lord, man, he revitalizes me enough to do what I'm called to do. I'll tell one more story and I'll, I'll hush, but um, we always tell minister out of overflow, minister out of overflow. You, we're, our, our goal is to be intimate with the Lord. And then the Lord shows us what to do and he helps us do it. We had a girl show up, uh, a racer. They'd been in Ecuador for three months. They came to ours, our, our base. She had fallen through a roof in Ecuador and hurt her back and neck five days before she came. Uh, she was in a back brace, neck brace, all those things, and trying to decide if she should go home because she was in a lot of pain. Doctors were telling her to go home. Parents were telling her to go home. So we see her the first day. And one of my staff men, he looks for people in casts. That's his, his whole role. is. I've seen God heal more people through this guy than anybody I've ever seen. He sees her, and he goes, well, I wonder what's wrong with her. I don't know. So we walk over there. He goes, what happened? She tells us a story. He goes, that's not on the kingdom. So we're going to lay our hands on you. We're, we're going to heal. God's going to heal your back. And so he lays his hands on her. She immediately gets healing. She takes off her brace, her neck, brace, her back. She has no more, no more issues. And she's, of course, she's running around. She's, she's praising the Lord. About four days later, I'm talking to her, and she's like, I still think I'm going to go home because my sister is suicidal, my 17-year-old sister. And uh, I would feel, I, I, I can help her. And I would feel incredibly guilty if she died while I was here, killed herself. And our first response is, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord if you're supposed to go home before you make that decision. Because the intimacy, intimacy with the Lord is where guidance comes from. So if, a week later, she comes, she says to me, I'm going to stay. God's told me to stay, and I'm really nervous about it. i was like, man, God's got this. So over the next two weeks, online, through the healing of the story of a healing, she brings her sister to Christ. So her sister meets Christ. This was two years ago. I follow, I don't follow all the racers. I follow a few. Her name is Bree. I mean, we were like, man, that is so good. God God did all that. And he knew, he knew ahead of time that Faith, her, that her sister's name was Faith, was going to meet Jesus through this, this incredible thing. And so I follow her online. And so we got a new bunch of racers in October and we do an orientation On Bree's Instagram is a picture of our orientation. And in the byline, it says, my sister Faith is now at Adventures Guatemala. And I'm so happy. And I'm like, oh, my God, I had no idea. The sister who was about to commit suicide, who met Jesus through Bree, was now we get to disciple her. And I looked at her every day for the last three months going, man, God is so good. God is so good. And we we all play a small role about the salvation, not only salvation, but in faith's life, what she's going to do for the kingdom of God is going to be a marvelous as well. God has a life of adventure and meaning for you. Everybody in the room, no matter how old you are, you could be young, you could be old. I was 54 before I went to Guatemala. And God specifically told me, I've been preparing you your whole life for this. <laughs> like, dude, I'm 54. <laughs> and I, I'm so glad that God has done that with us and for us. God wants that for you, but not only for you, God wants it for all those people that he's divinely appointing for you to connect with, because God wants to bring freedom and healing and salvation to everybody around you, and he wants you to be a part. There's nothing sweeter than being in the long line of people that, man, so-and-so said this to me, so-and-so, that, and then I met Jesus. There's nothing sweeter being in that line. I want that for you. I also want you to be taken away somewhere and placed somewhere else. Man, if we'll just follow the Spirit closely, who knows what will happen.